Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Sleepkeeper. I am your host, John Murray, and I welcome you back. Uh, once again, as I start off every show, for those who are first time listeners, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast, and I certainly hope you enjoy your stay. And, and if you do, I hope you come on back. For those viewers that have been with me from day one, I want to say thank you, and I hope you continue to come on, come on back. Um, well, I guess, ladies and gentlemen, we're down to the to the, to the nitty gritty. We're down to the wire. It is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl it's, it starts at six thirty tomorrow evening. The Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, for those who those who might be new to the podcast, I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I have had family and friends. Better say I've got to be ecstatic that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. And yes, I am very happy that they're in the Super Bowl. It's taken, what, 29, 30 years for them to finally get back into a Super Bowl. But of course, I've also, in the last two Super Bowls, been in farewell. They had a chance to win one Super Bowl, but Joe Montana brought them back. And the All-Super Bowl, they didn't play well at all. They got ran over twice by the San Francisco 49ers. Funny thing about it is, no, it's not the San Francisco 49ers are playing, but they're playing somebody in the same division as they are. Ironic, as kind of ironic as it, as it is. Funny thing is, the 49ers had to be in the Rams. Can you imagine being the 49ers and the Bengals part three? But it's not. It is the Rams. And I will do my prediction, and I'll also break down position by position for you. Who I think has an advantage, who has a disadvantage. It's gonna be an interesting Super Bowl. I really don't think I don't think it's gonna be a blowout by anybody. I think it'll be a tight game. At least I hope it won't be a blowout. At least I hope, I hope the Bengals don't get blowout. out. Now, I have been Cincinnati Bengals as harsh critic, and I have and I have been on Twitter, and I follow the Cincinnati Bengals. On Twitter, I follow some of their writers. I know there's a young lady that's a huge, a huge fan and is a writer, I believe, for the Cincinnati Bengals. It'll be interesting. But before we roll in, before we talk about the the Super Bowl, we're gonna get off the subject for just a few minutes, and I want to address address one thing. I want to address, there is a report out there that um, owner, or in this situation I said co-owner, Daniel Schneider is back, is back in hot water once again. Now, for those who don't know, don't know, uh, the Washington, now they do have a last name now, Commandos, uh, not Commandos, excuse me, Commanders, I should say, Commanders. But they do have a, t- a team right now, the last name. Now, for once again, for those who don't know, they were in hot water because of uh, sexual harassment. Is basically in, in a way to a, a way to put it. Now, there's new allegations coming out now. There's an old young lady that's coming out. 
and said that she had a business meeting with Amy Schneider. And at this business meeting, at this dinner business meeting, he had put her, I guess he had put his hand on her thigh, and she did not like that whatsoever. And supposedly when he was going to give her a ride back to the hotel, I believe it was hotel, could be wrong, could be, you know. That he, again, once again, I think he made a pass hit on her again. I don't know who it was. He put his hand on her thigh once again. And his lawyer had to give Daniel a He says, he says, Dan, this is not the way to go. He says, you're going about this all wrong. He says, what are you doing? Now, it's not, I mean, the thing is, Daniel Schneider's already in, in hot water. He's already got a fine looking $10 million. He had to turn the day-to-day -day operations of the football team over to his wife. So he's already, yeah, so he's already in hot water. But this makes it, this makes it worse. It takes this to a whole new level. Now, now, I spent a lot of my life pretty much growing up around women. And the one thing I learned, I learned at a very young age is to have respect, respect for women. I never in my lifetime. Now, granted, I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with the general public. I'll be honest with, with people who even listen to this podcast. I've never been, let me put it this way. I've never been a guy that went out on that many, on hardly, hardly any dates at all. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've had people ask me for many, many years. And the best, the best bet that I could, the best answer that I could give anybody was, and, and guys, guys out there who listen to this podcast will probably, will understand, understand what I'm saying. It's very simply put. You are always that friend zone. And guys, and guys, and guys out there know, know what I'm talking about, right? I was always in the friend zone. My thing is, I never had a woman ever look beyond, beyond that friend zone. And it took many, many years later, it took me, it took me until I hit about maybe 28, 29 years old. Until it was a, until my wife was willing to look beyond that friend zone. And that was always, and that, that was my problem. That was always my problem. Don't get me wrong. Let me be honest with you. And I'll be honest with people. Heck, I'll be honest with if any of my female viewers out there. I'll be honest. I was shy. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word intimidated. I would not use that word by any stretch of imagination. What I would say is, um, I guess I could say fear. Fear of failure. Fear of being rejected. And trust me, I was rejected many times. I don't have a count, but you can count. But I was rejected quite. But I was rejected quite a few times. But what I'm trying to get at is this: is I learned that I learned to respect women. Now, obviously, Daniel Schneider doesn't have that much respect for women. And that's kind of what it boils down to. It's like, Daniel Schneider, 
people in in his front office, you know, working for Washington football team at the time, which now we all know they have a last name now. And he's just basically, it's just, it's, it's hard for me to put in words, hard for me to understand. But now, I believe Daniel, Dan Schneider wants a, another investigation. He wants to investigate his allegations that this woman has laid on him. Now, when I first heard this, I'm sure there's some experts that said has, had thought the same thing I that I did. And it's kind of weird. It sounds like that Daniel Shiner's kind of investigating himself. That's kind of how it sounds, how it comes off as. And what does Daniel Shiner next do? Is, is, is he going to interview himself? I mean, wow. Daniel's not worried. This is getting to the point where, getting to the point where Daniel might consider selling the team just to get, just to get out of the, the, the sports business or the world of football. Daniel, it's getting to the point where Daniel's just, just, just walk away from the sports, sell, sell, sell Washington, sell, sell him. Now I'm sure, and the uh, way, way franchise is going nowadays, I'm sure Daniel can give a pretty penny. I know, I know, I think the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, might be the most expensive football team right now. Now, I know the Denver Broncos, I believe, they're, they're, they're up for sale. I know that John Elway, yeah, he's trying to get a group of, group together. I mean, geez, I tell you what, if I, if I had billions and billions of dollars, I would have been a football team myself, but unfortunately, I don't own billions, I don't own billions and billions of dollars. This is the point now where I think, I think when Commissioner Goodell's got to step in and say, you know what, Dan, Dan, this is getting out of hand. Uh, whatever you're, yeah. I said, you, you want to have your investigation, go do it. But the problem is, it's going to be your money, your dime, your time, and it's getting ridiculous. Now it was fine. It was found. Of course, it was found out that he was having. You know, sexual harassment in the front office. And of course, everybody, of course, I know, I don't know how many years ago it was that um, there was a photo shoot with the Washington cheerleaders, and this was in a, you know, a country. And they had a, um, yeah, and there was sexual harassment there. I think they wanted to do topless photos or something like, I believe. Um, and to me, that's, that's, you know, that's just really, that's kind of taking to a totally another level. So I don't know what, I have a hard time understanding what he was, what Dan was thinking. But this, this behavior is certainly inappropriate, it's unacceptable. I mean, I don't know, you know, some, and I'm not saying all guys, and I don't want to give all that, and, you know, I hope women understand who do listen to this podcast, I hope you understand that all guys are not like this, are not like this. And a guy like Daniel Schneider would give a bad, would give a guy a bad reputation. He would give him a, you know, he would give women the wrong impression. Not everybody like that. There are guys out there that are, 
Dead powers. I don't know how to treat a woman like. The problem is, and I will say this, I was lucky, I was fortunate to get led on them really kind of right women that were willing to look beyond what other women were looking were looking for. And I seen one tonight and she'll be twenty two years in September. And there this lady. And trust me, I have my share of female friends, but you didn't see me putting my hand on their thigh or put my arm around them or whatever the case might be. No, I don't do that. No, it's not my thing. I have I have way too much respect for um for women out there. I grew up around women, my mom, my sister, my grandmother, my great grandmother. And some of my great grandmother's relatives that would come by and visit. I had an aunt. I had two cousins that went in. I had some very good friends of mine. I had two older ladies that meant the world to me. I had a lady that taught me. You know, taught me about the uh, etiquettes of. Uh, Table etiquette. She taught me so much. She was almost she was almost like a second mother to me. I always had respect for her. And she had a daughter that I really hit it off real well with. Real well. Good friends. Likes some of the same stuff that I did. Wrestling. Sports. Football. Yeah, we hit it off real well. Great conversation. I swear there won't be there won't be there won't be a huge age gap in there. There won't be a huge age gap. Who knows? But the but the bottom line is is this: the game of Schneider. Simply, obviously, simply has no respect for women. If these allegations are going to be true, he has no respect. No, he shouldn't. It's just to me unacceptable. And he, Roger's got he's got a whole banger in his office. He says, "Man, enough's enough. I can't handle this no more." You got silly team. But sometimes I gotta wonder what's in the back of his mind of his wife. And I believe her name for Tanya. Tanya, I believe her name is. I gotta wonder what's in the back of her mind with all this stuff going on. And trust me, you trust me. I've been around enough women to know that that stuff that, that women think about that stuff in the back of their mind. Wow, here's my man. Here's my husband. He's doing this. He's he's out there. He knows he might know about this topless photo shoot, or he's involved in it. And now this comes out. I mean, you have to wonder in the back of your mind. You know, Tanya's Tanya's got to say, you know what, man, enough's enough. I'm out the door. And Tanya said, you know what, dude? I can have half of whatever you have. Now, I'm sure Dan's worth quite a bit of money. I'm sure Shiner's worth quite a bit of money. And that'd be the thing. That's a lot. And I'm sure, too, like I said, Dan's worth a lot of money. I don't know if Dan will go, Daniel Schneider will go through this 
Will you go through with it? Will he uh, serve you, make his hands and investigate himself? I don't know what he's going to do. But this is just, this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, man, enough's enough. I mean, they're, you need to sell a team, seek some help, or something, dude, because this is a bad image for you. This is a kind of bad image for your family. Do something, man. Get your act together. Get straight. This is twice now. You've been up. Allegations. Nothing. Enough's enough, dude. I know they, they always say three strikes and you're out. Well, to me, to me, this last, this, this last thing that, that has come up, man, enough's enough. To me, the second strike, it wouldn't be three strikes and you leave. It'd be two strikes, you're gone. You're out of here. Okay? Stop, man. Quit. Now we'll get down. We'll get down to business. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. Now, like I said before, earlier in the show, I will, we're going to talk about breaking it down for you. We're going to break down the positions. Now, we'll break it down. Quarterback, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stratford. Now, Matthew Stratford's been in the league for, you know, for, for, for many years now. Matthew did play on some bad Detroit Lion teams. He was able to get Detroit. I think he was able to get Detroit to the playoffs, but once I believe, and failed miserably at it. Now, Matthew had one of his better career years with the Rams. Now, you can make an argument at the end that Matthew had some a lot of talent. He had more talent than the Rams than he did with the Lions. And you can make that, that's, it might be a fair argument to make. He didn't have much of a running game all the years he was with Detroit Lions. He did have one, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson was a beast in his time, make no mistake about it. But basically what he had was Calvin Johnson, and how much else did he have after that? You go to the Rams, you have a pretty, let's say a stable offensive line. Your running game this year, well, you didn't have Cam Akers until the playoffs. I get you there. Daryl Henderson played well. Sonny Michelle was a nice pickup by the Rams. So let's just say, for the sake of you had some of the running game to work with. Cooper Cup, well, I guess Cooper Cup was your Calvin Johnson. But you had Robert Woods, I know, until he got hurt. Van Jeffrey progressed a little bit in his, in his second year in this league. But then you went out and you got Odell Beckham. And Odell has played... Well, well for them. You got a pretty decent tight end, Tyler Higby, which it appears that you won't see Tyler Higby in the Super Bowl, which is certainly a bummer, a bummer for him. And defensively, I'm sure the Rams' defense was probably better than any any defense that, that the Detroit Lions probably ever had when Calvin when uh, Matthew Stratton was there. And Matthew is, is is a good quarterback. He's been in this league a long time. Some people have criticized, have criticized him, that he can't win the big game, he can't do this, he can't do that. Well, it's to me, Matthew might have shown, might have proved people wrong by showing people 
that, hey, you put some talent around me, I can do something. And B, he had talent around him. He did do something. And he had a pretty good coach in Sean McVay as well. Now, you look at the other side of the coin, Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow's in his second year in this league. And he became a team of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl in the second year in the league. That is saying something. Now, the one thing that I will say about Joe Burrow is this. Now, his rookie year, to me, he had some ups and downs. But as he's on that up climb, then came the injury. But this year, he has played well. He has played well this year. The one thing about Joe is this. Joe is battle-tested. Joe has won an SEC championship. He knows what the pressure is on him. He's won a national championship. Pressure on him. The Bengals have not won a playoff game in, what, 29 years? Well, Joe won three of them, and he's got his team to the Super Bowl. The thing about Joe is Joe knows what pressure is. Now, for me, on a personal level, I've heard people comparing him to Joe Namath. I've heard people comparing him to Joe Montana. And I've heard him, some people, some experts even say he kind of reminds him a little bit of uh, Tom Brady. Now, the one thing I'll say is Joe Namath, won, Joe Namath won one championship. And yes, he did. He pulled off a huge upset. But I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Burrow in there with Joe Namath. Now Joe Montana's won four Super Bowls. Burrow hasn't won none. You want to compare him to Tom Brady? Oh, come on, please. Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls. If Joe if Joe Burrow ever takes the Bengals to seven Super Bowls and wins them, you can make all the comparison in the world that you want then. But I don't think even Joe Burrow, I don't think it's gonna be another quarterback that's gonna take the team to seven Super Bowls and win them seven. I don't see it happening. Now, Tom went to 10 Super Bowls. I don't see any quarterback taking a team to 10, 10 Super Bowls. Now, if you want to make it now, who do I have to give the edge to? As crazy as it sounds, ladies and crazy as you know, again, I'm going to give the edge. Not that I'm a Bengal fan. I'm a Bengal fan, but I'm going to give the edge to Burrow. Burrow has been the pressure cooker before. He has shown that he can deliver. Deliver. Now, whether I think Burrow will have a better game in Stratford, who knows? But I would give Burrow the edge because he has been he's been in this situation before. He's been here. He's done that. The only thing he has not done is won a Super Bowl. He has won, I think, a high school championship. He's won a national championship. And the one it would be funny if Joe could go out here tomorrow and win the Super Bowl. And the and if he can somehow, some way, some shape, or some form. Take the Bengals, give the Bengals their only world championship that Joe will be immortalized in the city of Cincinnati for the rest of his life. Now, if Matthew Stratford wins, if they win, Matthew Stratford could look could look back and tell the Detroit Lions, see, if they gave me talent, this is what I could have done. That's how Matthew would take it. But I'm going to say this. If it was me, I gotta give Joe Burrow the edge just because he's because of pressure situations. Now Matthew got in a pressure situation. Now Matthew got to the NFC Championship game and he did win it. But there was times where Matthew has also been 
in the pressure situation. You just come up short. And tomorrow, this is a big stage for Matthew Stratford. Let's see if he can get, if he can get the Rams the Super Bowl championship. Burrow, like I said, Burrow's been there. He has been under pressure. He has been there. He has been under a lot of pressure. He has delivered every single time. But can he deliver one more time tomorrow? We'll see. My age, I got to go to Joe Burrow. Let's talk about the running game. Well, the Rams had Kenny Makers, who did have a little shoulder issue, but he is going to play. Sonny Michelle, who I thought was a steal by the Rams from the New England Patriots. And then you got Daryl Henderson, who is coming back. He will be back in time for the Super Bowl against Joe Mixon, who Joe, Joe had a good year this year. And then after that, they have a whole host of others. So, who do I give the edge to? I don't think it's a contest. It's got to be the Rams. I know the Bengal fans say, well, Joe Mixon had a better year than all three of those guys. You're absolutely right. He had a good year. He stayed well. I think he did miss a game. But most of the year, he was healthy. And he finally put up the numbers that I thought he could put up all along. But the Rams have more depth. Depth is the advantage here. Cam Akers, now granted, a lot of people didn't think Cam Akers would even, even come back. But he did come back at this stage. Dale Henderson's coming back. They also did, did a pretty good job filling in. He's going to be back. Now, whether he be 100% or not, that remains to be seen. And Sonny Michelle has been an excellent pickup for him. But again, in this situation, depth is the key. Because to me, if you go, let's say if Joe Mixon goes out there tomorrow in the Super Bowl, he gets hurt. Well, I think you got Chris Evans, P. Ryan, or your other two running backs. And trust me, they don't scare me as much as Akers, Henderson, and Michelle. They don't scare me. Advantage, Rams. Now, this one becomes very interesting. The receivers. Yeah, this becomes this becomes very interesting. Cooper Cup has had was was named the offensive player of the year by the NFL, and rightfully so. Odell. Now Odell has played well since he's come over. He's been picked up as a free agent. Jefferson, he has a, he's done he's done he's done well for himself in the second year in this league. Those are your top three weapons. Look at the Bengals, Jamar Chase, Offensive Player of the Year. T. Higgins, Higgins got 1,000 yards this year. Higgins has been a pretty solid player for the Bengals the first two years of his career. And Tyler Boyd, sometimes Tyler Boyd gets overlooked because Chase, even Higgins, gets more publicity than Boyd. But Boyd's a pretty solid player. Cup, Offensive Player of the Year, you've got the Rookie of the Year. Beckham has played well since coming over. Higgins has played well his first two years in the league. You go from Jefferson to Tyler Boyd. Now the tight ends, 
Higby's going to be out. CJ's going to make a go at, it, go at it for the Bengals. So I factor that in consideration. I'm going to give the Bengals the edge. I know they got Cooper Cup. What worries me about this is this. I believe the rumor, the what's going around with Mike Fulton is going to be the one that's covering. And they had the biggest assignment of covering, of covering Cooper Cup. And that worries me. Hilton, Hilton had moments this year where he's played well for the Bengals. But I kind of go back to the Pittsburgh Steelers days. He didn't really impress me a lot in the Pittsburgh Steelers days. He didn't. He did not. And to me, that's a concern. I'm not really, I'm not, I don't have a bowl, I don't have a lot of confidence in that whatsoever. I just got a bad feeling about it in general. I think if that's the case, Cooper, Cooper Cup may wind up getting over 200 receiving yards in the Super Bowl. But I go with the overall, overall. To me, you know, to me, you have a chance to stop that. You have a chance to stop Jefferson. But you know the Bengals are going to gear, gear on one thing. We have got to limit Cooper Cup. Now, I don't have a problem with that strategy because you were happy the man had 19-700 receiving yards this past year. He was a triple crown winner. Catches, yards, touchdowns. There's, yeah. So, yeah, you want to do what you can do. Beckham has, had, like I said, Beckham has, has played well since coming over to the Rams. Has played for Rams since coming from us, uh, since getting cut by the Ravens. But the point is, dude, a lot of people fear Beckham, and they used to. To answer questions, I don't think Beckham has the fear, the fear factor anymore. But I would not, yeah. But I would, I would still do the best I can. And I wouldn't let Beckham beat me either. But Cooper Cup would scare me more than Beckham. Now, I know if I look at the Bengals. And I believe it was Tyler Boyd that did say, I think uh, it was either yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, is, okay, let's say for the sake of argument, put, you put Ramsey on Chase. And I'm sure that's going to happen. It probably should happen, really. But then you got T. Higgins. Higgins is the type of guy that can win. Higgins almost got 200 receiving yards by himself in one game. Remember that. He was a thousand-yard receiver. Five, six touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd's a man, Tyler Boyd is, under, is a very underrated. He's an underrated player. He gets overlooked. Now, CJ comes back. Now, CJ might not be 100%, but CJ is Joe Burrow's security blanket. And actually, CJ did put up pretty decent numbers for a tight end. A lot of people don't, you know, if you go into it, go look at it. But CJ did put up some pretty solid numbers this year for the Bengals. When it comes to that, the Bengals get my they get my they get my edge in the receiving core. Now let's talk about the offensive line. <laughs> Both teams. Now this is not a hard one really to grasp, ladies and gentlemen. I gotta give the Rams a huge edge. Now don't get me wrong, I mean the Rams the Rams have had the Rams have been a lot more steadier than the Bengals, certainly hands down. I'm not, I'm not saying the Bengals well, excuse me, I'm not saying the Rams haven't had their had some games where they have not played well, but they've been more steady, a little more maybe consistent than the Cincinnati Bengals. You got a guy, Andrew Whitworth, who is 40 years old, who, mind you, is a former Cincinnati Bengal. 
layer, mind you that. But they've had they've had more play, more consistent play. Now the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line has been a problem all year long. Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times, which I think is the most of any starting quarterback in this league. You got to remember that he got sacked nine times by the Tennessee Titans, and they somehow figured out a way to win. The Kansas City Chiefs put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. Now, Burrow was able to get out of that and make some plays. But my biggest concern is you're walking into a Super Bowl, you're going against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, yeah, that's a concern. As somebody once, somebody once, as I've always thought, you can dodge on some bullets until you get hit with one. And I think that's what worries me. Now, the Bengal, Joe Burrow can say he's got all the confidence in the world in that offensive line. The offensive line coach can say he's got all the confidence in the world. But I have no confidence in that offensive line. Now, I know Joe, in the back of Joe's mind, Joe's guy said, you know, I had a better offensive line at LSU than I did, than I did with these guys. In the back of his mind, he says, how much can I trust these guys? If I got sacked 51 times this year, nine, mind you, nine in one playoff game on top of that, that's a concern. That's a huge concern for me. So, I mean, with Burrow, I'm surprised Burrow's not gun-shy. I'm, you know, I'm surprised he's not. Matthew Stratton, I think Matthew Stratton actually has more faith in his offensive line than Burrow's going to have in his offensive line, even though Joe says that. And Joe's got to say and Joe's got to say that, right? He's got to say it. He's got to build the confidence in his offensive line, or try to anyway. But there's no competition. There is nothing. There is there's nothing remotely possible here. Rams' offensive line is way better than the Bengals' offensive line. And that that Bengals' offensive line is going to be a huge factor in tomorrow's game. Make no mistake about it. It's a huge, huge factor. But again, there's no, there's no, there's no more to talk about this. It's certainly Rams with edge. Now, if we jump on the defensive side of the ball, let's talk about defensive lines. Now, the Bengals' defensive line play has not been bad this year. Don't get me wrong. We got Sam Hubbard, who's played well. DJ Reader, they got from the Te- uh, I believe they got him from, what, Texans, I believe, uh, a couple of years ago, I believe. Now, he was hurt a lot last year. He's a big body. He's a big body in the middle. Trey, Trey Hickerson, I believe they got from uh, the Saints. He has played well this year. So there has been some... Some offensive line play, defensive line play, excuse me, with the Bengals, they have not been that bad. But the biggest thing is they don't have a Sam. I should not say a Sam Donald. They do not have an Aaron Donald. And that's the thing. They do not have an Aaron Donald. They do not have a guy that can be disruptive. I'm not going to say for the fact now. For the sake of argument, the Bengals, I believe, can somehow, some way, some shape, and some form. I believe the Bengals can get some pressure on Stratford. I really believe they can do that. Now, we shall see how much pressure you get on him, but I think it's possible. But I go back and forth with defensive line. To me, it boils down to one thing. They've got they've got they've got an Aaron Donald 
a two-time defensive player of the year for being a stunt. I gotta give Rams a defensive line an edge. And again, if we go back to what I talked about a few minutes ago, let's be honest with you, I think the Rams defense, their defense, the linebackers, I think they can have a field day with that offensive line of the Bengals. Now, if we go to linebackers, to me, there's not much of a competition. You got Pro Bowl, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd's had a good year, been in the league for several years. It's kind of hard to match those two to what the Bengals have. Now, I've never been the biggest fan of the Bengals' defense this year, and I'm not. I know the statistics that I think they were like fifth, what, fifth against the run, especially this year, which is not bad. It's solid play. Don't get me wrong on that. But my biggest issue is I don't think if you got Von Miller on the one side, Leonard Floyd on the other side, it's going to be way better than what the, what the Bengals have. I got to give the Rams that edge. If we move to the secondary, I've never been a big fan of Cincinnati Bengals secondary. They've got a lot of veterans. And then again, they don't have a Jalen Ramsey. Now, their, their secondary is taking a beating. The Rams, you, got, you had some injuries. Then they had to, had to uh, call a guy out of retirement to come in and play. But again, you got to give the Rams defense an edge. Secondary, it gets an edge. Because simply put, they got Ramsey. They don't have, the big ones just don't have that. Now, if we go to special teams, now, if you want to boil it down to it, okay, I know a lot of people have been on the McPherson bandwagon, and okay, and I will give McPherson the edge over, over Gay. Because I think, I think he has been 12 for 12 as far as kicks in preseason. And to me, that probably, in postseason, I should say, that gives me, that gives him a huge edge. That gives him a, a huge, huge edge. Probably over Gay, because he's been in that pressure situation, and he's delivered pretty much every single time. Now, as far as returns, as far as the return game goes, I'm going to have to give it a draw in that regard. Now, now, the question is, who, who do I feel is going to win this Super Bowl? Well, I'm a Bengals fan. And yes, without a doubt, I love to see my Cincinnati Bengals finally win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. The heart says the Bengals, but the head says something else. And Bengal fans, I have been hard on you all year long. And the Bengals, well, they proved me wrong. They've gotten to the Super Bowl. But this time around, I gotta go with the head and not the heart. The Rams will take the Rams will take take this they'll take the Super Bowl. And the Bengal faithful will once again be 
let down for a third time. You got Sean McVay against Zach Taylor. I think the teacher is going to outdo the pupil. I think he's going to outcoach Zach Taylor in this encounter. I don't think this, uh, again, I think the game will be close. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Matthew Stratford throws it out. I think Matthew Stratford throws three touchdowns. Cooper Cup's going to have, like, 100 and, I'm going to say, I'll say he has 165, 165 yards. He'll get a couple of touchdowns. Stratford throw for three touchdowns. Cooper will get two. And I'm going to say Odell, gets the, Odell will get the other one. Finish with three touchdowns. I will say, I'm gonna say the running backs. I will say one of the running backs. I say the one of the running backs will get a touchdown. I'm gonna say it's either gonna be Acres or Sonny Michelle will get will get the touchdown. So I figure it's about four touchdowns right there, at least. For the Bengals, I look at this way. Burrow, I think, is going to be is going to be pressured a lot. I just, I don't think Mixon's going to do much. I don't think the running game I don't think the running game is going to be that good. I think Mixon's going to have a problem running the ball. I think it's going to be all in Joe Burrow's hands. I think Joe will get. I'll give Joe at least two touchdowns. I'm going to give him two touchdowns. I'm going to say that CJ will pull off a touchdown, and it's either going to be Higgins or Tyler Boyd will will get will get the other one. I think Ramsey will do a decent, will do a good enough job on Chase. But I'm gonna say Higgins, we'll say Higgins and CJ will get the two, will get the two touchdowns for the Bengals. Okay. Let's say McPherson gets one. So I'm gonna say at least 17 points. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the final score ends up being about. I'm gonna say 34-17, Rams. That is my that is my prediction. I hope my Bengals. Man, I hope the Bengals. They prove me wrong. They stick it to me. But I think the Rams walk away with a Super Bowl. The last Super Bowl was when they were in St. Louis, and you had the greatest show on turf. So the Rams will add another Super Bowl to their trophy case, whereas. Mike Brown and the Cincinnati Bengals will shake their heads again, saying, we got there, but we didn't get the job done. Now, like I said, Joe has, has, came, has come up big on, on, on big stages. Nothing's bigger than, nothing, well, I would say nothing's bigger than the Super Bowl and Collins and National Championship, the biggest thing you deliver there. I hope, like I said, I hope the Bengals prove me wrong. I hope Joe does deliver. But I gotta say, I got my doubts that they come that they come through. Like I said, Rams 34, Bengals 17. So next thing, I guess next thing we need to talk about is and I kind of want to piggyback off of uh something I was mentioned, I think, on um I believe it was um Undisputed with uh, Skip and Shannon, and they talked about the Dallas Cowboys were well, well represented at the honors. Now, 
Parsons, he did he did win the defensive player rookie of the year, which was no surprise there. And Dak Prescott, he was setting certainly setting up front with his lady. They did talk to Jerry Jones, and I think Jerry Jones, I think Jerry wanted to go on and on and on and on about about stuff. But that has been that has been Dallas's biggest, you know. But like somebody said, they get all this press, but they didn't win a playoff game. Well, the thing is, yeah, yeah, Dallas, Dallas is America's team. It's been America's team for for years. Now, I know somebody said, "Well, the Patriots with that." That twenty-year dynasty, they were probably America's team. It didn't it didn't really matter. Dallas was always America's team. Either you liked Dallas, you hated them. I mean, growing up, I was a kid. I knew people that were big Dallas fans, and I know. <laughs> and the truth is, and Dallas fans, and, and Dallas fans know that I'm not lying when I say this. Dallas fans can be some of the most obnoxious people that you'll ever meet if they win. They'll never let you live it down. And it's the truth. But then again, if Dallas loses, oh my gosh, you couldn't hear a peep. You couldn't hear a peep out of them. And they'll come up with some excuse as to why they lost. And again, Dallas fans know I'm telling the truth. That's how it is. Now, I, 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 have, nothing against, I have nothing against Dallas. I've always been a big Roger Stallback fan. I always like Roger Dodger. I like the Tony Dorsets. I like the Drew Pearsons of the world. Love that dude, Tall Jones, Randy White, the Cliff Harris's of the world. Now those were teens. And it took them many years later. Along came Troy Aikman, the Emmitt Smiths, to the Michael Irvins, Alvin Harper, Jake Novacek. That offensive line was a beat. Was a beast. And even defensively, you had Deion Sanders. You know, Charles Haley even. You know, some seasons. I mean, the thing was, you had some, you know. It would have been interesting if you put, like, the the Tom Landry Dallas team, teams against, against those Cowboys teams. Now, that would have been interesting. Interesting, very interesting. Roger Stallback against Troy Aikman. Interesting. Emmett Smith, Tony Dorsett. Now, I might have given Michael Irving an edge over Drew Pearson, certainly. I take the Dallas offensive line that Emmitt Smith ran behind. I will take that. Defensively, I might have to go to the Doomsday defense. I might give him the edge. To be honest with you, I don't know if the Doomsday defense would have stopped Emmitt Smith or had a chance to have another offensive line. But it would have been interesting. It could have been very interesting. But the point being is, Dallas Hallways has always been like I said, you love them, you hate them. It's America's team. And certainly when Jerry when Jerry Jones bought them, Jerry Jones was front and center. And like Skip Bellis says, the biggest thing about Jerry, it's 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 about Jerry Jones. It's not so much about the Dallas Cowboys. And it's the truth. I think sometimes Jerry, I know Jerry, it's a hard time for Jerry to sit back and let the Cowboys play. Because Cowboys, you know, I mean, 
the, the funny thing about it is, if Jerry would, I guess, and Jerry has an ego, and some owners, you know, I'm sure the NFL have egos because of all the money they make, the money they bring in. They own a team. They can do whatever they want, when they want, right? Hire who you want, fire who you want. Draft, draft his player, cut that player. That's the way it is. Owners, but Jerry Jones, Jerry's always had that, has always had that uh, ego. And I think sometimes Jerry tries to make it more about himself than Dallas Cowboys, and that is a problem. A lot of coaches do not want to come to come to Dallas to Big D. I mean, you never know. I mean, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, let's be honest with you, Jimmy got tired, tired of it. Jerry won't take all the credit, but it was Jimmy Johnson that made that football team, not Jerry Jones. And Barry Switzer came in, and Barry Switzer won with Jimmy Johnson players. Who then, after a while, after one season, Dallas could not do it under Barry anymore because there was no, there was no like to tighten the strings, so to speak. Jimmy could do that. Barry didn't care. But that's always been a thing. I mean, Dallas, Dallas is always, always going to be the front and center. Dallas is always going to be the talk of the NFL one way, shape, or form. And will Dallas have won another Super Bowl? To be honest with you, yeah, I think Dallas will, will win another Super Bowl at some point. I don't know if it's, I don't know, I'm going to say this, I don't know if they will win it while Jerry's running the ship. Maybe when Jerry finally steps away once and for all, and maybe Steven Jones takes over, maybe, maybe they win it then. But Jerry's brash, he's bold, he's confident, he's cocky. To me, I don't know if Steven, I don't know if Steven Jones is quite, is not quite like that. But maybe if Steven takes over, I'm sure Steven would call the shots and he'd, be, he'd probably be the general manager. Or maybe Steven will go out and hire a general manager. And if, I, yeah, and if, I, if I'm not really, really, really old by then, Steven can come, Steven can, uh, can, uh, can give me a buzz. He won't have to talk to anybody. But the point being is this, that it doesn't matter if you like Dallas, you hate him, Dallas is always going to be the talk of the town. They're always going to be the talk of the NFL because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Plain and simple. Now, I think it's been a mistake on Jerry's part that I think being downside, Jerry's made it about himself. Now, Jerry, in the past, he's made questionable draft picks. Then again, Jerry's made some pretty good draft picks. He's made some questionable coaching hires over the years. Jerry has always been a puppet pulling the strings for some of those head coaches. But who knows? I still think one of these days the Cowboys will get will get an old Lombardi trophy in their case. I just don't know be that. I just don't know if Jerry's gonna run the team or not when that happens. But it will come a time when I believe Dallas will win on the Super Bowl. I don't, I, 
moved away from Michigan into the towns, but they were still there, no doubt about it. That's there. Still got to see it. Still got to wonder what they do. Still got to see it. It's not like they don't have talent on that team. It does. Parsons, Lewis, Lawrence. Talent's there. But what Mike McCartney's right now to mold that team, that's, that's certainly a, uh, a million dollar question that who knows if they answer or not. Now, I guess to poke a little fun, the NFL, the Super Bowl is here and coming to its football season coming to an end. And I've already been reading up on mock drafts for mock drafts this coming year, uh, this coming year, 2022 NFL season. And there are some I know, I know uh, some drafts actually have a gentleman by the name of, uh, was it Neil, offensive tackle from Alabama, as a, as a first overall pick in, in, in the draft because they, because they certainly need some um, help in the offensive line to protect Trevor Lawrence. And there's no argument from here. I've had some that had a Hutchinson from, from Michigan. Some don't say, was he the best player available? I've seen that too. And everybody's got a, their version of the mock draft and everything. Now, I think as far as I go, um, that's something I that's something I might I might do in my podcast later on down the road. It's something I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna try to address right this second because there's just so much so much out there. I know uh Hutchison, I know defensive end from um Oregon. Uh where all your quarterbacks go, are gonna go. Um Quarterback from uh, Pittsburgh. I believe people got him going to Washington. He may stay in the in, in the own city of Pittsburgh. There's a lot of a lot of things. But again, everybody's already jumping on that, jumping on that. Hey, this this guy's going there, this guy's gonna go there. It's always fun. It's always fun to have those mock drafts. You think about it, here we are, mid February, and you're thinking a couple, you'd be thinking a couple more months, you will be having an NFL draft. And for those fantasy football people out there, oh yes, I'll be I'm one of them myself. I've always I've been looking at the college football talent. I look at that first and foremost. Now I know the, um, and I'll certainly look at the free agency and. The leagues, like I do a keeper league, I also always look at the talent on other teams to see if I can make that trade. But you know it's here. It's upon us. We have the mock drafts. They're here. The season's not officially over with yet, but we got those back mock drafts already. And I'm sure the all season we'll hear many, many we'll hear much more about the mock drafts. Certainly we'll hear about the New coaching hires, the new offensive coordinators, new defensive coordinators. Players will be going to other teams. Will they make their team make that team better? Or will they make it worse? Who knows? That's a million dollar question. 
I'm sure we'll find that out. We'll find that out when 2022 rolls around. Now we'll end my podcast with a uh, a somber note. Uh, got a few more minutes, and I will make it quick. Um, I want to give my uh, unfortunately my old elementary school here in the uh, city of Richmond, William Fox Elementary School, caught on fire. And it pretty much burnt the, well, the roof burnt and pretty much most of the building has been burnt in the process with it. It's a somber note for me. I went to, I went to elementary school there. Uh, it's a somber, it's a somber note. I had some of the best, some of the best times in my life there. What kid, sometimes, you know, what kid hasn't had the best time at World Mental Elementary School? Because when you get to middle school and get to high school, it's kind of like downhill from there to some extent. Because you don't have the fun. I had a lot of fun in elementary school. I had a lot of teachers. Unfortunately, some of my teachers have since passed away, unfortunately. My kindergarten teacher, Miss Hall. My first grade teacher, Miss Branch. My second grade teacher, Miss Poindexter. My third grade teacher, Miss Ford. My fourth grade teacher, Miss Howard. My fifth grade teacher, Miss Bocella. Gosh, I remember, I remember like it was just yesterday. It was just amazing, amazing times. Unfortunately, some said they had to tear the building down and rebuild it from, from the ground up. And some of those, some of those young, young kids, young boys and girls, they're sad. They're upset because stores pretty much no more. It's a sad, sad, sad day. And the funny thing about and the sad part about it is I grew up around the neighborhood. I grew up in that neighborhood. I had a chance just to walk right across the street to that elementary school. It's been a long time since I stayed back in that building. I hope it does come a day to rebuild it. And I hope it does come a day where I do get a chance to step back in into that elementary school. Great times. It's a tragic thing. It's a tragic thing to see. Fire on the roof. It's been going up in flames. For those, for all of my classmates, that did go to William Fox Elementary that I had the pleasure of going to elementary, elementary school with. Keep those thoughts in your memories. And for William Fox Elementary School, you'll be rebuilt. You'll be reborn. You'll be better than ever. You're one of the better elementary schools in the, in, in the city of Richmond. Nobody can take that away from you. But you'll be back. You'll be back better than ever. Guarantee it. Heck, I promise you, we'll be back. There's going to be some hard times ahead, but you'll rebound. You'll be better. I know you will. Because in my heart, you were the very best at what you did. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time that I have for this episode. Uh, Enjoy the Super Bowl. Kick back. Relax. I'll see you again soon.